Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning, and we welcome you to Community Baptist Church and to uh, this house of worship as we have gathered uh, to worship together this, this morning. We uh, welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our uh, family as we worship God today. It's a special day today. We uh, have some special things going on. Uh, most Specifically, it's special because we are ordaining two people to the deacon ministry today, uh, Sue Allen and Deacon Allen, and uh, we're glad to be a part of that, and we're glad that you are here to be a part of that as well. Uh, let me call your attention to a few announcements that we have. First of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each row. I'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. Uh, just put your name, address, telephone number on there. And especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, be sure to put your email address on there and we'll get you on the list. It's a great way to keep up with the activities here at Community Baptist Church. And then check the appropriate box on there, and we would appreciate that. I have some other things that are coming up uh, beginning this evening. We have what, some, what is that, a, some football game or something. Some football game going on tonight. The Super Bowl is happening. All right, I'm going to take an informal poll here. Who's for the Broncos? Who's for the Seahawks? Okay, all right. It's going to be an interesting game. We invite all of you Broncos fans and Seahawks fans to come to the church tonight. The game starts around 530. We'll be showing it up here on the big screen. Uh, bring some junk food, um, and uh, we will just have a good time of fellowship. 
but also bring a can of soup. Since it's Super Bowl, we're going to bring a can of soup, and we will donate that to uh, uh, Henderson Christian Outreach, and uh, they will... Whoever wins the game, they'll, they'll end up being the winners here. So bring a can of soup and some junk food, and we'll just have a good time of fellowship tonight. Uh, a few other things. Uh, on March the 6th through the 8th, we have been invited to participate in a visioning re- retreat called uh, Dawnings at Georgetown College. And uh, we can have up to 10 people free to go to this retreat. And so we, I would like to encourage anybody who would like to go to let me know. Just let me know, and we'll sign you up and, and get you on the list to go. That's a Thursday, Friday, and a Saturday, and uh, I think it will finish up about noon on Saturday. So hope you can go. Uh, just let me know, and we'll get you signed up. Also, on February the 14th, Susie Painter, who is the executive director for Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, will be in uh, our area they will be at, um, uh, she will be at Third Baptist Church in Owensboro, and we are invited to go and meet her and hear her, hear her vision and ask her questions. If you would like to go, there is a, a link in your uh, worship folder. You can just type that in and uh, uh, make a reservation for lunch. Um, and please, if, if you are going, please let me know, too, and we could probably do some carpooling back and forth. And one more thing, February the 12th, We'll be having a blood drive here at the church, and if you'd like to uh, contribute uh, your blood to this cause, please see Jika Crafton over here, and she will sign you up and give you a reservation. Uh, oh, and we're having Valentine cookies. Wow. Valentine mm-hmm. cookies. How appropriate. It's a gift of love. So thank you so much. It's great to be here. We're, we're busy. We have a lot of stuff going on, and that's a good thing. That's a great thing. I'm glad to be a part of a church that's active and on its feet and taking care of the, the, the ministries of God. And it's good to be together and share this time together. So let me invite you to stand and, uh, and share the, this time and greeting each other in the name of the Lord. Ready?
please join me in the responsive reading. What brings you to this place today? But this is not our usual format for worship. Are you willing to be responsible for the mutual commitments which we will be ma- which will be made here between your leadership and yourself? Yes, indeed. We have not come here to be coddled, but to be challenged and to be renewed in our commitment to Christ and His Church. Then you think this service can be a turning point in the life of our church? Yes. We are willing to open our lives boldly to God and to one another. Then let us celebrate the event of ordination and the fact that we have all been called to serve the Lord in this place. Thanks be to God. Today's scripture comes from 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 18 through uh, 31. (laughs) For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is a teacher of the law? Where is a philosopher of this age? Has, God, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the wor- world? <clears throat> For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demanded signs and Greeks looked for wisdom. But we preach Christ cru- crucified and a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness and to Gentiles. But to those who, whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what uh, you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were noble of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things are, that are not to uh, nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let one who boasts boast in the Lord.
Okay, folks. It's true confession time. Has anybody here ever done anything really <coughs> foolish? Okay, I see. I see those hands. Maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe you were simply in a situation that you didn't understand. I, I heard about a man from a third world country who came here to the United States and went with a friend of his to a restaurant. He ordered tea, and when the waitress brought them a pot of hot water and tea bags, the visitor poured the cup of hot water into, into the uh, cup and, uh, and then picked up the tea bags and tore them open and dumped them into the hot water. Well, the friend gently explained that the tea bags were made so that the water could seep through the bags, and he didn't need to tear them open, and, and you wouldn't have all the tea leaves in the cup there. And so the newcomer thought that this was a great idea, and so he took the sugar packets and dropped them into the cup without <laughs> opening them up. Well, you know, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, he wasn't supposed to open up the tea bag, so why did, should he have to open up the sugar packet? We've all done things that we, we look back on and say, well, what was, what was I thinking there? Some foolish things sometimes. We've all done it. Uh, I, I've done foolish things. You've done foolish things. But we would never attribute foolishness to God. God is perfect. However, Paul tells us that some of God's actions may look foolish to those who don't understand. He says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Do you hear that? Paul tells us that the message of the cross is foolishness to the world. And when you think about it, you can see how that may seem true. Especially for those to whom Paul was preaching. I mean, in our generation, we cherish the cross, and we put it at the center of our worship. But we don't live in the first century. For them, the cross was a symbol of shame. Crucifixion was reserved for slaves and for the very worst of criminals. In fact, it was against the law for a Roman citizen to be crucified. It was only reserved for the lowest of the low. And Jews especially hated crucifixion. In the Old Testament, it's, it's said that anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. And so the Jews thought that anyone who was crucified was cursed by God. Criminals died on crosses, not decent folk. What if instead of a cross, we put a, an electric chair up, in, up on our wall or a gallows or maybe an IV bag in honor of lethal injection? It's foolish. Yet that's exactly what the early Christians did. They turned a horrible instrument of Christ's death into their most prized symbol. Paul said that the Jews were offended by the cross, and the Greeks said it was nonsense. And it was a huge obstacle for those first century Jews. They couldn't believe that their Messiah could die on a cross you see, the, the Jews were expecting a different kind of Messiah. They were expecting a Messiah who would ride a great stallion and lead the people to victory over their enemies. And what does Jesus do? He rides on a donkey. And he dies on a cross. No wonder the gospel didn't make any sense to them. And it sounded like nonsense to the Greeks, too. You see, the, the Greeks valued philosophy more than anything else. For the Greeks, the pathway to salvation was the pathway to, to wisdom. They gave us Plato and Aristotle and, and, and Socrates. If we could just know everything there is to know, then we could find heaven. But Paul comes along and says, no. All you need to know is that Jesus was crucified for your sins. And the Greeks said, sure, that's nonsense. There's got to be more to it than that. Well, Paul says, I know how foolish it sounds to those who are lost when they hear that Jesus died to save them. 
I know how foolish that sound sounds, but we who are saved recognize this message as the very power of God. The cross is foolishness to the world. But there's something else that Paul says is foolish to the world, and that's the church. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when, we, when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world so that no one can boast before him. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Not many of you were wise. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Paul was simply telling the truth about the early church. Most of them didn't have influential names. Most of them didn't have much power or wealth. And Paul was saying, look, God hasn't chosen celebrities to proclaim his word. God has chosen farmers and fishermen and tax collectors and housewives. That's how God works, not from the top down, but from the bottom up. Not through superstar evangelists, but through electricians and plumbers and salespeople and teachers. That's who God depends on. God depends on Sunday school teachers and and greeters, and people singing in the choir, and, and people making a casserole, and deacons. Good people. Not superstars, but solid, responsible church people like, like you and me. And folks, God is counting on the people of this church to turn this world upside down. So you can see why Paul says that it sounds foolish to the world. I mean, if you ask most Christians why Jesus came into the world, they'll say he came to die for our sins. And that's true, of course. But if you study the scriptures, you'll see that there's another reason that Christ came. And that was to prepare a group of ordinary folks to take his message into the world. And that's what the church is all about. He only started with about 12 men and a handful of women. And by the time Christ died... They were still very few in number. But by the time Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, there were tiny churches scattered all along the Mediterranean. Yet still, it seemed to be a pretty big stretch when Paul said that God was going to use this motley group of powerless people to turn the world upside down. But guess what? They did. They did. But when Paul was writing this letter, it sounded like foolishness. That God could do anything significant with the church. And you know, there are still people today who think that it's foolishness that God could do something significant with the church. And the sad thing is that some of those people who believe that are in the church. Some people still don't understand that the church is at the center of God's plan. And sometimes when I see some of the things that happen in church, it it does seem foolish. Because instead of looking like a powerful force that will change the world, sometimes the church looks like a dysfunctional family. You've been there. You've seen it. I heard about a small country church that was was given a, a large donation. And so they had a board meeting to decide how they were going to spend this money that came their way. And you know how church board meetings can be. Not in our church, of course, but uh, other churches. Uh, one lady stood up and she said, I'd love to see us put a new chandelier in our sanctuary. An old gentleman got up and he said, I don't know about that. We don't need a new chandelier in our sanctuary. In the first place, I doubt that anybody in our church could even spell chandelier. And in the second place, even if we had one, I doubt there's anybody here who could play it. And in the third place, what we really need is more light. If you've ever been around the church long, long enough, then you've seen 
things that are just about that silly. Church people can be pretty strange sometimes, and sometimes tragic things happen in churches. And sometimes, unfortunately, the most unchristian people can be found in churches. Bigots, snobs, angry people, uncaring people. But I know this also, and you know it too. Some of the best people in the world are in the church. People like Sue Allen and Deacon Allen. These are people who care about their families. These are people who care about their neighbors. These are people who care about their communities. And the reason they care is that once upon a time, they stood at an altar like this and they gave their lives to Jesus. And the best way that we can make this world a better place is to introduce everyone that we know to the love of Jesus. Because, folks, it changed our lives. And it it can change their lives as well. So you see, the work of the church is important. It's it's life-changing work, and it's it's work that God is calling you to do, Sue and Deacon. And it's work that God is calling me to do, and everyone in this congregation. And so if the church is the means that God has has chosen to turn this world upside down, it means... Two things to to these two deacon candidates and for each of us here. First of all, it means that our focus cannot be on ourselves. Instead, it must be on the world for whom Christ died. King Duncan tells about his pastor, Steve Sally, who was the pastor of Cokesbury Methodist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's one of the fastest growing Methodist churches in the nation. And Duncan says that that Steve really had a a real heart for people who needed the gospel. He said when Steve first came to Cokesbury, the church was growing, but it was not meeting its potential. And and like a lot of churches, they had plans for a family life center. And that sounds like a good, solid Christian name, doesn't it? Family life center. But the first thing Steve did was to ask the trustees to change the name wasn't going to be called a family life center. It was going to be called a community outreach center. And think about that. Just a minor change in terminology, but it was a way of saying that our focus will not be on ourselves, but on others. And my friends, if we're going to be the church that Christ has called us to be, the first thing that we need to realize is that It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about those who we are called to serve. And so that's the first thing we need to do if God is counting on us to serve God's kingdom. Second thing we need to realize is that all of us have a part to play in God's kingdom, in God's plan. We are setting aside two people today as deacons. Servants of our church. Servants of God's kingdom. And that is a high honor and an awesome responsibility. But folks, all of the responsibility does not rest upon their shoulders, nor mine. It belongs to all of us. There's something for each of us to do. No one is too old to be important to the church. No one is too young. No one is too educated or too humble. We all have a part to play in God's kingdom. Some of you will probably remember Aesop's fable fable about the crow that was out in the wilderness and was very thirsty. And he came to a jug that had a little water in the bottom of the jug, but his beak wasn't long enough to reach down into the water and to, uh, to get a drink. So what did he do? He started picking up pebbles one at a time and dropping them into the jug. And as the pebbles accumulated in the bottom of the jug, the water level rose until finally the old crow was able to get a drink of water. Well, folks, that's kind of the way God works through the world or in the world. 
each of us dropping our own little pebble into the bottle, teaching a Sunday school class, making that visit, working on the finance team, serving as a deacon, making that special gift to mission, serving as an usher, each of us serving in his or her own special ministry, doing that little task that may not seem all that important at the time, but look what's happening. Pebbles are accumulating in the bottom of that jug, and the water is rising. And one day, God's kingdom is going to spill out onto this world in an amazing way. That's God's plan for all of us. And I am grateful for people like Sue Allen and Deacon Allen. I'm grateful for them, people who have committed themselves to serve this church and to serve God's kingdom through the ministry of deacon. They're dropping their little pebbles, very important pebbles, into the jar of God's kingdom. And I hope that each of us is willing to do our part to see the foolishness of God redeem the world. Amen. We are... We have come to that portion of our service where we will um, set these people apart as deacons for our church. So I'd like to ask all of our deacons to come forward and, and sit here at the front um, and to introduce, come on forward, deacons. Huh? Oh, yes, active and inactive deacons. If you would come and, and sit here at the front. Just want everybody to see who these people are. These people who have been set aside. And you know, sometimes we look at deacons and we say, and we think uh, about their leadership, and they are leaders in the church. But I want to remind you that the word deacon literally means servant. These are servants of the church. They are here to serve our church. They are here to serve God. And they do an admirable job in doing that. To um, introduce our deacon candidates today, we've asked some people who know a little bit about them, um, Bob and, and Jika Crafton. And, uh, and then we will have a, um, a liturgy of ordination and the laying on of hands. But first, Bob and Jika, would y'all... Bob's going to go first, looks like, and introduce our, our candidates. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say it's an honor to be here to uh, introduce Sue Allen to the church as the, as the deacon. You have chosen well uh, when you chose Allen and uh, Sue. Uh, Sue, some of Sue's family is here today. I see April, Jake, Abby, Maria, and her husband, John. So we're glad to have you all here supporting her today. Sue and I met some 20 to 25 years ago uh, in the 90s. We were, uh, I had a small construction company and she was and we had some rental property and she was we had a common uh, acquaintance Sue Jennings and uh, they formed the A1 tax service uh, who some of us use and uh, they ended up renting a, an office from uh, my partner and I and during those years in the 90s we uh, counseled each other we had similar Problems. We had children in uh, our young people in middle school and high school. We're trying to figure out how to get the college thing done. And um, so we counseled quite a bit. Also during that time, uh, Sue's dear mother, Thelma, uh, was getting, uh, her health was getting bad. And they lived, Sue is from Baghdad, Kentucky, in Shelby County. Some of you know where Shelby County is, and uh, Mr. Clinton and Miss Sue, our Miss Thelma, owned a farm there, and I suppose Sue was raised on that farm. 
And she knew, she was learning that she had to get her parents closer to her to take care of them. So she was battling that. And all the time, that was in the period of time when our church was first beginning. So I was uh, blowing a little smoke her way about that. And uh, in 1994, she convinced her parents to come here to, to be closer to her. And that's kind of when the magic started. Uh, I may tell this, I might not tell this factually, but in principle it's true. Uh, uh, a, man, a man came down the road who showed an interest in the farm and uh, eventually bought the farm. Uh, Clinton and Thelma moved to Henderson. There happened to be a house next to Sue and John that they uh, bought and put their parents in and she was able to take care of them. And so I twisted her arm a little bit about church. Church was a big deal for them. And uh, we were down at uh, Mac's Clothing Store, the leisure suit capital of the world. <laughs> and uh, we uh, took them in. She likes to give me credit for, uh, for uh, being here, but I give you the credit because you all uh, wrapped your arms around uh, Thelma and Clinton and we had some good years there. She sang in the choir. Thelma did. And eventually, uh, uh, she died in 19, uh, or 2000. And so you know the rest of the story. Clinton eventually could not drive. Sue started bringing him to church here. And uh, that's when we sort of got our little grip on her. She was going to Holy Name with John. And sang in the choir over there, and she will be singing in the choir here eventually. So, so I'd like to introduce to you Sue Allen. She, uh, she'll make a great, we'll be a better place having you speaking. I will be introducing Alan, Cable Allen. I do that uh, personally because I'm his sister, and he is my older brother. Uh, and his brother, Lyman, is here as well, and we're glad to have him among us. It's been confusing for some of you uh, what to call him. If you knew him before, you knew him as Deacon. If you didn't know him at all... Uh, then you heard Alan, you heard Deacon, you, and you just didn't know what to say, didn't know how to call him. But as a family of having unique names, as we all do, and always having to kind of ex explain the origin, which is family-related, uh, we're not terribly sensitive about what you call us. <laughs> uh, I called him Rinky till he was in high school, and finally switched to Deacon, and then as soon as he left Henderson, he went by his given name, Alan. Uh, the whole time he was away from here, professionally and personally, but any time he came back to visit, he was deacon. So it's been uh, kind of hard to make a switch, so we'll just let you uh, refer to him as to what's comfortable. But uh, Alan, Deacon Allen, was nurtured in the faith in the home of Lyman Smith and Jesse Allen, and likewise in his church family of Emmanuel Baptist Temple, where our father pastored for 35 years. Uh, his older brother, his father, and his grandfather were all ordained ministers. In fact, our grandfather founded the Third Baptist Church of Marion, Illinois, which still exists. He is a graduate of U of E, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary of Wake Forest, North Carolina, and the Institute of Formative Spirituality at Duquesne University of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Ordained as a minister by IBT, Allen has served as pastor to churches in Kentucky, North Carolina, and Texas, and he retired uh, as captain in 2005 as a chaplain of the Naval Academy. 
having left Henderson in the 70s with his wife, Terry, who is with us this morning as well, uh, to pursue education and career goals, they finally made their way back to Henderson uh, in 2011, 40 years later, uh, to settle here and uh, grace our church with experience and expertise that uh, I think will be nurturing for us as well. So again, I say too that you have chosen wisely in your decision of your uh, deacon candidates here and we will be the better for it. Deacon, it it looks like you're finally going to be able to live up to your nickname. (laughs) Uh, I invite you to come and sit and Sue, invite you to come and sit in these chairs at the front and And John and Terry, if you would like to come and stand next to your spouse, we'd invite you to come and and do that too, if you would like. Um, We will read responsively the ordination liturgy. Each of you, I hope, has a copy of that. Um, And then immediately after we finish the ordination liturgy, our deacon chair, uh, Jika Crafton, will offer the ordination prayer. And then we will begin um, with our deacons to um, lay hands on these two candidates and offer blessings and encouragement to them and support for them and invite anyone who would like to come and do that um, to lay your hands on these two people and to offer them your blessings and support and encouragement. It is the church that sets these people aside. And I know that a lot of churches, it's only ordained people who do this, who lay hands on on deacon candidates and ministerial candidates. But I believe it's you. who You're the ones who elected them. You are the ones who set them aside. You are the ones who are calling them for this important task. And so you should be the ones who bless them. So we invite all of you to come. Anyone who wants to lay your hands on these two people and offer your blessings. Oh, the liturgy. That's right, the liturgy. Thank you. (laughs) And then Jika will have the, the prayer. In the presence of God, we solemnly recognize the importance of the office of deacon. The deacon is to assist in responding to needs, to minister in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Sue and AC, you have been entrusted with a sacred task. Do you now accept the challenge of caring for God's people in the community of believers? In placing this mantle of responsibility on these servants, congregation, you must commit to support them in their ministry. Do you accept this challenge? challenge. Recognizing that we are one body in Christ and having promised mutual support before a holy God, let us serve one another. Let us pray. And now, O oh God of grace and, and goodwill, we offer Sue and Alan to your service and in your name. Lead us as a church to encourage and support them in their efforts as deacon. We pray they will seek your guidance and presence, not only in their personal decisions, but as they go about ministering to the needs of the church and the people within. And now, Lord, may your servants go in peace in your name. Amen.
Make me a channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring you love. Where there is injury or pardon, Lord. And where there's doubt, true faith in Make me a channel of your peace. Where there's despair in life, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, only light. And where there's sadness, Master, grant that I may never seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love with all my soul. channel of your peace. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, in giving of ourselves that we receive, and in dying that we're born to eternal life. We are indeed fortunate to have these two people who have committed their lives to Christ and who have today committed themselves to this church in the ministry of the deacon, which is a very important ministry of service to our church and to God's kingdom. We um, pray for God's blessings on each of them. And now I'd like to ask uh, 
Uh, Deacon and Sue, do you have something that you would like to share with us today? Any words of wisdom from our new deacons or, or inspiration? You can come up here if you'd like, <laughs> so we can have a microphone. I want to say that I'm very honored that you have chosen me to be a deacon. When I got the call, I'm like, who, me? (laughs) No. And so I said, I'm going to have to give this some thought and some prayer. And with much prayer, I decided that God was calling me to go outside of my comfort zone and give back to a church that has given so much to my family. I feel like God put Bob in my life at the right time. I needed a church, especially for my mom. No pressure, just open arms. And you guys have been so loving and kind and supportive and generous with my mom and dad and with me. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And I hope that I can take this opportunity to give back to this church which has a mission statement that is actually, it's the way I believe. We're not here to judge other people. We're here to serve other people. And that's what I have seen this church do over and over again. And that's what I want to be able to do. The song that Rick sang is exactly my prayer. With it, you know, where there's hurt, can I bring hope? Uh, I want to give, help give peace to other people. I just want to thank everyone here, and please keep me in your prayers, as this is totally new territory for me. But this is what I want to do. I want to serve this church and give back what they have given to me. Thank you so much. been called deacon for 50 years, now I am one, so worked out. I guess I need to say to the choir, unlike Sue, I won't be joining the choir. In February of 67 at IBT, I was ordained as a minister, and if I maintain my deacon ordination as long as I've had my ministerialist uh, ordination, I'll be 117. I'm delighted to be a part of this fellowship. I had followed uh, Community Baptist through Jeekin, through my interest in Baptist uh, for a number of years. My uh, endorsement for ministry in the military was through the Alliance of Baptist, and they're just a little bit left of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, but all of us have come... uh, from the same place. I especially appreciated Sue's acknowledging the the mission statement of this congregation. It's what the church is about, and I'm pleased to be a part of that mission. So if I can serve you in any way, I know I've got my particular families. I'm delighted to be a part of the ministry of this church. And I am especially glad to be able to support uh, a minister. I have worked with deacons, a lot of them good ones and a lot of them weren't so good. Some of them uh, would torment you and some of them would just support you. And I want to be a supporter of, uh, of, of our pastor. So I am uh, delighted to be a part of this fellowship and I appreciate your prayers and support. Thank you so much. And we are delighted for the two of you to be a part of, uh, of this important ministry. Welcome to the body of deacons. Welcome. Let's sing our closing hymn now, Fairest Lord Jesus, number 176.
where you receive the benediction. Dear God, dismiss us now to responsible involvement in your world. And as we go, may we go in the sure knowledge that we go in your love and in your grace. Amen.